tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message this morning is The Rush of the Holy Spirit. The Rush of the Holy Spirit. In Judges chapter 14, the scripture talks about three moments in actually 14 and 15. There were three moments where the Spirit of God rushed upon a man named Samson. We've read about the Spirit of the Lord being on a person. You can read about the Spirit of the Lord being within a person. But the Spirit of the Lord rushing on a person in a moment of crisis, in a moment of need. Now that's fascinating. I don't know about you. There are a lot of times where I want the Spirit of the Lord to rush upon me. I don't have time to pray for an hour. I need the presence of God right now. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Let me hear you. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. All right. So let me talk a little bit about it. So uh, there was a moment in, in Judges 14. Samson was walking down the road. And, and those of you that have heard about Samson, about how he had this supernatural strength. I've always pictured him with big muscles and pecs and a six-pack. But I believe, this is just me, this isn't in the Bible, I believe if we were to see him, he would look like any ordinary man. Because if he had big muscles, we would know where his strength came from. We'd be able to look at him and say, this guy's strong. But it was perplexing. It was confusing. People would just ponder and say, where does this man's strength come from? So he looked like any one of us. He was just a normal man with supernatural strength. And when the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, in one particular situation, as he was walking down the road, this young lion jumped out and he shredded him. In another situation, he was faced with three, 30 enemies that were called the Philistines. He whipped them all. That's impressive until you go to the next chapter when he's looking at a thousand of them. He picks up this old bone, this, this jaw of a donkey, and kills a thousand Philistines. This man had supernatural strength and the Spirit of God would rush upon him. I have felt that a couple times in my life. I know you have as well, many of you. I'll give you a few examples for myself and then I'll ask you a few examples about yourself. I'll ask you to raise your hand if you have experienced the rush of the Holy Spirit. You, Many of you have, you just didn't realize it. I'll get to that in just one second. I'll use myself as an example. I was driving down the road uh, of my own street a couple of years ago. There were cars parked on each side of the street. I don't know if there was a party going on I, or I don't know. I have no idea. But I remember just driving down the road at a normal speed. And I felt this rush, this thought. It wasn't like I had a feeling like all of a sudden I felt cold or hot. It was, a, it was a, a rush, a sense of knowing that I just felt, stop the truck. Stop. It was so real to me. It was almost as if I heard it audibly, though I didn't. I hit the brakes on the truck. And out from between two cars comes this little girl with pigtails holding a ball. 
I was a half of a car length away from killing that little girl. She would never live again and I would never be the same again. There was a rush. Another example, I was speaking in uh, Louisiana and it was at the end of the message and we're going to go for physical healing. And if you go to church here, you know, uh, at the end of every message, nine times out of 10, we always go for physical healing and we see amazing miracles. We see blind eyes open, deaf ears open. We see that. So I'm speaking at this other church and all of a sudden people are getting healed. And on the fourth row in Louisiana, this guy says, hey, preacher. I look over at him and I'm thinking to myself, if you just yelled my name in the middle of our church back at Texas, you would get tased. We have ushers and greeters that welcome to Celebration Church. They have a taser for people like you. Some of them have a blowgun with a, with a poisonous dart. <laughs> I'm, I looked at him. Like, what are you doing? But I looked at him and the minute he yelled, hey, preacher, I felt this rush of compassion. I know it was supernatural because that is not in my personality. Typically, it would be like, it's not my personality. I looked over at him and he says, I have a torn rotator cuff. I can't raise my hand above my shoulder. And I said, well, you just got real loud about what you need. Everybody here knows about what you need. I said, I think everybody here should see your healing. Come on up here on the stage. I had a rush of faith. I knew like I knew my name. He was going to get healed and everybody needed to see it. He comes up here. We pray a short prayer. For those of you that ever wonder what kind of prayer God likes that provokes him to heal. It's very easy. Just make sure the name of Jesus is in there. That's all. Sometimes people go on these long poetic prayers. Thank you, Lord, for the mountains and the streams and the birds of the air. Do that on your own time. We need a miracle right now. Call the name of Jesus. Somebody say yes. I laid my hand on his shoulder and I said, in the name of Jesus, all tendons, all bones, everything, all muscles go back where they're supposed to go in Jesus' name. So I said, now try to raise your hand above your head. He starts putting his arm out like this, and this is where it should stop. I could tell by his face. And all of a sudden, his eyes get as big as saucers. He raises his hand all the way over his head, and we all give Jesus a big round of applause for that. At that moment, it was a rush of the Holy Spirit. In contrast, there's been people that I've prayed for that I had no faith for. I was, in, in it, for example, I'd, I'd preach a long message and I'm ready to go home and watch some football. And there's one last person that needs prayer. And I'm like, okay, in Jesus' name, it's a very short prayer. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Bang! The Holy Spirit says, Frankie, you're worthless. And heals them. <laughs> heals them. But I didn't feel a rush of faith. There's sometimes where you feel a rush of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes many of you have experienced that and you don't even know it. How many of you in this room, you have almost died 
almost died. And you can look back and go, there was a rush of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I would not be here right now. If that's you, raise your hand real high. Real, 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 real high and wave it around. Now look around the room. Look at that. A rush of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been in a room, at a house, in a business, at the mall, and all of a sudden felt this overwhelming sense, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. And looking back, you know that was the Holy Spirit saying, get out of there. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise it and wave it. Raise it and wave it. You were having fun 10 minutes earlier. What changed? There was a rush of the Holy Spirit that came upon you. Some of you have broken up with boyfriends and girlfriends. That was a rush of the Holy Spirit. And you can look back and like, I think I was dating the devil. I had no idea. The devil came in pigtails. I had no idea. Are you with me? Say yes. Están conmigo. Diga sí. Excelente. Estudio Espanol. So, be patient with me. Back to Samson. So, Samson had a Nazarite vow. The vow was that he would never cut his hair. Ever. There's some people I have seen that have long dreadlocks down to their knees and and it looks cool. That's after not cutting your hair for a few years. We're talking about 25 years. We're talking about 30 years. It's not just your hair. You don't cut your beard. Nothing. Those of you that like to work out and shave your arms. Those of you men who do that. No shaving arms. No beard. Nothing. The only thing you can see is the tip of his nose and his eyes. That's not attractive. That is not attractive. You are making a visual statement. I have committed myself to the Lord. It was a vow. See, holiness and the pursuit of holiness is foolishness to those who are not pursuing the presence of God. It's foolishness. Why are you having holy and righteous standards in your life when nobody else in the world is doing that? You whisper to yourself, this world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. That's why it says in Acts chapter 20 verse 24, however, my life means nothing to me. If only to finish the race and complete the task, the task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. I used to ride my bike as a 15-year-old down rich neighborhoods because I grew up in a very low-income neighborhood. I used to ride into rich neighborhoods and look at all these two-story houses and say, I'm going to have a house like that one day. I'm going to have a house like that one day. Now I'm 43 years old and I say, burn it all. I could care less about this world. I could care less, care less. Burn it all. I want the presence of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me? Once you experience the presence of God, you are ruined forever. It ruins you. For those of you that have ever looked at a Christian and said, you have gone AWOL. They have. There's nothing here. And I would say before you judge them, 
meet him. And once you meet him, you will join the crazy club with us. You will. You will. So we made a vow. And then all of a sudden, enter door right, Delilah. Anytime the Lord wants to derail your faith, he will send a new relationship from his own flock. These people are usually good looking. They're usually fun. They usually offer an enjoyment that you think you cannot have without them. Go to the bar after work. Get on the phone and talk crazy. Text. Be silly. Silly. These are all new relationships that people around you will say, I don't know about her. I don't know about him. And you will defend them with your last and dying breath. Because to you, it's a new relationship that offers some type of enjoyment that's usually in secret. What do I mean by secret? Are you hiding it? No, but it's not something that you would come tell me about. You wouldn't come tell me. You wouldn't call me up and tell me about the fun you had. It's not not that kind. It's not that kind of fun. It's a new relationship that lures you away. It lures your faith away. Here comes Jezebel. She comes walking in with lust on her lips and seduction on her tongue. And she lures him away. He went and told his parents about her. He said, I just met a girl. They said, what are you doing? And they said, don't judge her. Have you ever heard that? Don't judge him. Don't judge. Don't judge. We have something special. Are you with me? We have something special. Of course you do. That none of us understand. She lures him to sleep. And all of a sudden, they come in. They shave his head because he told her. What the secret was. See, the secret to Samson's strength was not his hair. It was what his hair represented. It was his devotion. It was his passion. It was what he was laser focused on. And by cutting his hair, he is publicly saying, I'm not as focused as I used to be. See, when you're a Nazarite, it is public. When you're not a a Nazarite, it's private. Only you know that the heart is cooled. Only the Lord knows the heart is cooled. Off comes the hair. Off comes the anointing. The anointing didn't come off of his life because he shaved his head. The anointing came off of his life because he decided, I'm no longer going to devote my life. The Bible says that his strength left and he did not even know it. Can you believe that? He had no clue. It wasn't like all of a sudden this this glory came off of his shoulders. No. The only thing he realized is that his life was falling apart. All the things that used to go well are no longer going well. 
for the people that have left the Lord. Because they don't want to follow the standards. I would say, as the theologian Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? How's it working for you? Typically, it unravels very quickly. Sometimes it unravels very slowly. But a life without the Lord is a life that's unraveling. It's unraveling. You may act like your life is awesome, but some of us have walked down that road before. We already know that game. We've already been down that road. I'm not going to make you raise your hand because we're in church. We're, we're, We're prim, proper, and holy. But some of you, I know the neighborhoods you used to run in because I was in those neighborhoods. No bueno. No good. So off comes the hair. Everything comes off. And now he is captured by the Philistines, the same men that he used to whip. Have you gone through seasons or seen people go through seasons where things used to go so well in your business, you used to spank that game. And now you're getting spanked. What happened? You used to dominate this area, now you don't. Your life used to have rose petals and now it only has thorns. What happened? There was a deviation. And so now the very people that he used to whip, they are whipping him. He has lost all of his strength. He's bald-headed, but in this particular case, that was his, I did not make a Nazarite vow, just for the record. <laughs> this was not voluntary. If it was up to me, I would have dreads down to here. But anyway, I digress. He's in the mill, grinding as a slave, without... The presence of God in your life, you are as weak as any other person. With the presence of God, you have a connection to divine strength. And so he is as weak as any other person grinding at the mill. Let me spend some time on that. Because sometimes I can say something that's worth tweeting but not worth living. When you are operating on your own strength, you are stretching your dollar. You are stretching your knowledge and you are reaching for the best relationships you have and you are sweating with strategy. And you're fighting depression and fighting anxiety. All at the same time. That's how you know. That you are operating on your own strength. When you are depending on your own skills with your husband to navigate this conversation so it doesn't end up in a fight. When you are depending on your own skills to get yourself. Everything is dependent on you navigating and luck. That's how you know. But when you are depending on his strength, you look at yourself like a branch, a branch on a tree. 
Some branches have fruit. Some branches don't. The branches that don't have any fruit are loosely connected to the trunk. The branches that do have fruit, they're tightly connected to the trunk. But the branch can't brag on itself. I'm a much better looking branch. The tone of my brown and the, and the thickness of my bark looks much better than your. Look at, no, he can't brag on himself. The only thing that branch did good was hang on to the trunk. That's all he did good. He hung on to the trunk and the other branch is like, oh, let's see what else is going on around here. No leaves, no fruit. When you look at yourself as a branch, you say to yourself, God, I can only do one thing on my own. And that's to point my eyes at you. That's all I can do on my own. And I need you to do everything else. That's all I can do on my own. That's when you are no longer depending on your skills. And the Lord may use your skills. He's the one that gave them to you. You probably will. But it will just be much easier. Much easier. So he's grinding at the will. And all of a sudden he touches his own head to wipe his brow. And he starts feeling the pricklies of his hair. And he smiles and says, I think my hair is growing back. And as it started growing back, he started rubbing his face and feeling his own beards. I think my hair is growing back. That's where the enemy always makes his mistake. When the enemy comes at you, as he comes at me, sometimes he gets a clean lick. And we go through a rough patch in our life. He got a clean lick. I can look back over my life and see certain portions of my life that those were not good years. He got a clean lick. But see, that's where he makes his mistake. After he takes his clean lick, and we get hit, and we're recuperating for a while, we're dizzy for a while, we're trying to piece our life back together, he thinks it's over. He thinks that that season is a sentence. When the Holy Spirit breathes to you and says, it's not a sentence, it's a season. Get your eyes back on me. So all of a sudden he begins to feel his own hair. And all of a sudden he starts allowing his hair to come back. He didn't look around for a razor. He didn't look around for some dull knife. He didn't grab a a rock and start sharpening and try to get it off. No, 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 no. He's going, I'm going back to my roots. I'm going back to the devotion. I'm going back to the dedication. I'm going back to doing the things I used to do. Those people that say, ah, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You're not saved by works. No, I'm not saved by works. But my works are how I express my gratitude. Yeah, it, that's how I express it. I, I've separated myself and I'm here to serve the Lord. You can call it works. I call it gratitude. All of a sudden it starts growing back. And as he's grinding at the mill, 
all of a sudden it starts getting easier and easier. I will promise you this. The more you pray, the stronger you get. And the battles that you are fighting now, that you feel like you are holding up with one hand, you feel dazed and confused. The battles that you are fighting now, if you let him fight them for you, you will feel your strength get stronger and stronger and your finest hour has yet to be seen because Samson grabbed the pillars, you know the story, and he pulled them down after his hair started growing back and he killed more people in that moment than he had his entire life. I want you to know that the Lord can do more in the next moment of your life than you have done your entire life. Put your hands together for that. Absolutely. The reason why I'm so passionate, I'm so passionate. Somebody asked me the other day, if I won the lottery, would I still be a pastor? I said, yes, but I drive a much nicer car. A much nicer car. I'm fine. I'm a truck guy. I don't care. If I had a zillion dollars, I'd still drive a pickup truck. That's just what Texans do, right? Where was I going with that? Oh, the reason why I'm so passionate is because it's become a revelation to me. That Christians are not supposed to be people with good behavior and a great retirement plan. Christians are not supposed to be people with a good behavior that if they really concentrate on that behavior, they're going to go to heaven one day. That's... No, 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 no. I wouldn't even want to be a part of that. I'd roll the dice on that one. What Christians are supposed to be are disciples that look at Jesus and say, I want to be close to you, not for what you can give me, But because I believe that the closer I get to you, the more I'm going to experience something that is so phenomenal and so awesome, my brain cannot understand it. I want to experience that. That becomes a passion. And then what the Lord does in turn, he says this, I'm going to let you experience me for our enjoyment. But I'm going to leave you here on this earth so that you can share what you have experienced. The enemy wants us to get into a rat race. And think about the Lord out of our peripheral. That's just a retirement plan. That's a retirement plan. But what ends up happening when you are pursuing his presence, his presence 
begins to infiltrate the rooms that you're in. And you begin to see miracles that other people only read about. I got a call from um, a guy named Micah, and we're, I'm going to play his testimony video in just a moment. Um, but I got a call from uh, a guy named Micah who attends our church. And he he said, Frankie, I... Um, I need, I need, I need help. I haven't been to church. I haven't been to work. Starts telling me about this sore on the bottom of his foot. He told me this is going to be the most disgusting picture you have ever seen. And I was like, we had somebody die on our stage in the middle of the service and come back to life. I think I can handle a picture. No. The picture of his open wound on his foot was hands down the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And I feel comfortable saying that because he told me beforehand, this is the most disgusting thing that you've ever seen. (laughs) It was an open wound, the length of my finger and as high as my thumb. And it has stayed open. And everyone he goes to see, the doctors could not close the wound. It was only getting bigger and bigger. But let me tell you the rest of his story through his own words. Take a listen to this. Okay, so my story started in about March, April. I started having problems with my feet. Uh, Little things like blisters, um, athlete's foot. So I started treating it myself, you know, coming home, soaking my feet in foot soap putting baby powder on it, taking a shower, doing what I can, what I thought was the right thing for my feet. But progressively over time, my feet kept getting a little bit worse, a little bit worse, to the point where I was limping at work just to get around. And finally my wife was like, I'm taking you to the hospital right now, get in the car, I don't want to hear anything. And I was like, you know, I'll fodder about it. But reluctantly I went. And it's a good thing I went because when I got there, the doctor was like, wow, this is pretty bad. So I went from the urgent care to the podiatrist where I had the negative reaction to the medication that put me in the ER. From the ER, they admitted me into the hospital. I was taking, I was on IVs, taking all types of medication to try to heal my foot, make the swelling go down. And when I was finally released a week later, I did everything the doctors told me to do. The medication, the wrapping my feet twice a day, everything, but my foot was not getting any better and it was frustrating, I was irritable. I was walking around with a cane for two months uh, a wheelchair for a sm- short period of time and the pain was constant. My feet looked absolutely horrible. It was, oh, you don't even want to see it. It's the grossest thing you can see. I didn't think my feet were going to get better. There's a possibility that a toe would get, toes would get amputated. I'd be walking with a limp for the rest of my life. I was scared. And um, Pastor Frankie, I mean, we came to him. I asked him to pray with me about my foot, pray over my foot. He did. And literally a week later, I'm telling you, I was walking around pain-free, no cane, no wheelchair, very, very minimal damage. And this was without medication. I was, I mean, I, I, I felt like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it was such a relief, and I felt like I'm going to make it through this nightmare. And I'm so thankful and so blessed to be able to finally get through this whole ordeal. That was... Of, of all the miracles that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of, 
um, that's probably in the top three because it wasn't in a church. Um, it was over the phone. I was on 2920 on my way home thinking to myself, this road should be four lanes. Like too many cars for one lane. Like who organized this thing? Bumper to bumper, I call him up. He's Pastor Frankie. Like I don't know what's going to happen. And so I was getting off the phone and I said, hey, I'll be praying for you. He goes, thank you. And it was a rush of the Holy Spirit. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I say that a lot. Hey, I'll be praying for you. And then I get off the phone. But there was this rush. And I just felt the Lord tell me, not out loud, just right down in here. If you really believe I'm going to heal him, pray right now. Okay. Micah, can I pray with you right now? Yes, I would love that. Have you ever noticed that? Has that ever happened to you? We were like, I don't want to be awkward. I don't want to be awkward. I'm going to do it anyway. Hey, can I pray for you now? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Has that ever happened to you? Wave your hand at me if that's ever happened to you. That should, that should encourage us. People want us to pray for them. Awkwardness is in our brain. It's a phantom. It's, it's a phantom thought. It's not real. Anyway. So I say to Micah, can I pray for you right now? And I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you the whole prayer because it's, I want to, I want to show you how the Lord honors short prayers. And I usually save this stuff for our adult discipleship program. If you want to be a part of that, you can through our app, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. When you pray for healing, you you, pr- you need to pray the way Jesus prayed. Jesus had a father in heaven and he never one time said, Father, will you please? Never said that. He never said, if it's your will for them to be healed, will you heal them if it's your will? He didn't pray like that. That's not how he prayed. And so we need to pray the way he prayed. If we want his results, we need to pray the way he prayed. And Jesus, one time I counted it. If I'm not mistaken, he only used seven or less words when he prayed for healing. So since you're not Jesus, you can go to 14. (laughs) I said, in the name of Jesus... I could have ended my prayer right there because that's the only word that matters. In the name of Jesus, illness, sickness, and disease go away and skin come back over his foot and regrow in the name of Jesus. That was it. And he said, thank you so much. I said, I love you. I'll be continuing to pray. I think it was four days later, skin all the way around his foot. All the way around his foot. It's not who you are. It's who you're calling on. 
once you get that out of your head, on your best day, you're not holy enough to deserve anything. So just get it out of your head and say, I'm thankful for a loving Savior. On the way here today, this morning, I said, God, I'm nothing but a branch on a tree. If you'd be so kind, I'd love to bear some fruit this morning so we can bring glory to your name. Twelve people came down for prayer in the first service. Nine of them got healed before anyone prayed for them. I believe the same thing is going to happen right now. Here's the invitation. Now, if your pride gets in the way, I don't know what's going to happen to you. You've got to roll the dice on that on yourself. But if you are feeling pain in your body right now, right now, when everybody stands up on, your, on their feet, I want you to come down. Now, if you felt pain this morning, but you don't feel it now, don't come down. You're feeling it right now. When everybody stands up, I want you to come down here. You're not going to be embarrassed. I'm just going to pray for you, and that's it. Everybody stand up on your feet. You feel pain in your body right now. All right, there we go. Come stand. Help me out. Where's Pastor Dwayne at? Help me out. Shoulder to shoulder. You feel pain in your body right now. I visualized this moment while I was praying last Thursday. So I already know what the Lord's going to do because he put it in my, he, he told me what he wanted to do. I, I don't feel an ounce of nervousness because of two reasons. One, he already told me what he wanted to do. And number two, I can't heal anybody. <laughs> it was his idea. It's his presence. It's on him. So how many people are down here? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two. You're not down here. You're helping me. You're down here? Okay, come down here. Twenty-three. Twenty-four. I'm going to pray for you. That's why I asked you to come down here. But because I'm still growing in the Lord and I'm learning about him, I, I want to see what he will do before I pray for you. my belief that when you were sitting in your seat you were feeling pain but some of you the pain is already gone because you walked down here who is that is there somebody down here the pain is already gone I'm going to pray is it you is it already gone you can feel his presence can't you it's already gone. 
presence of the Lord is already moving. So how many did I say? 23? 24? I'm sorry? 25? So there's 25 people down here, and one's already been healed. And we haven't even prayed yet. That's just the presence of God moving. Send your hands towards everyone down here. Now, I want you to scoot back. Pastor Dwayne, help me out. I need everyone to scoot back. Scoot back, scoot back, scoot back. Everyone, I want everyone to pray, but not you guys. I just want you to hold your hands out like you're about to receive a healing in your body. Spirit of the Lord, move through this room right now. In the name of Jesus, pain, go away. Now. Now. Now, wherever that pain is, I want you to try to make it worse. Move your hand, move your shoulder, move your back, bend your knees. If it's your, whatever it is, try to make it worse. Try to make it hurt. Now, if you don't do this because you're embarrassed, okay, that's between you and your own pride. That's fine. I don't know what's going to happen with you. But the rest of you, move. If it's your neck, your back, your knee, whatever it is, start moving it. Now, if the pain is gone, take one step forward. Take one step forward. Take a step forward. The rest of you keep moving. Don't 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 just look at me. Keep moving because I'm a Take a step forward. Did you step forward? Yes. Did you step forward? Are you in line? No? Did you step forward? Okay. It's one. Two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Did you step forward or no? Oh, you were checking. Did you step forward? Ten. Ten out of 20, 25. Can we give the Lord a standing ovation right now? Including the people that have already stepped forward, I want you to keep on challenging it because it will continue to build your faith. I'm going to pray again for the rest of you, and you guys are going to pray with me. No spectators allowed. Put your hands out. Let's call on the Lord again. Jesus, your glory fills the earth. All the power in the world is in your name. Show your strength. Show your strength right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. While I'm praying, I want you to be provoking the pain. Try to make it hurt. In the name of Jesus, go away in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, now. 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 Let go.
I want you to step forward. I'm going to pray for you if I need to, but step forward because the Holy Spirit is going to heal many of you without me being a part of it at all. I want you to step forward. Has anyone stepped forward that on this second prayer? count. Where were we? 10. Anyone else? The greatest testimony is when somebody says, the Lord healed me and the pastor never touched me. That's the greatest testimony. The, the Lord healed me and never touched me. Never touched me. Never touched me. There were six miracles in the book of John. All six of them, the person had to do something in order to be healed. Pick up your mat and walk. He had to pick up his mat. If he didn't pick up his mat and walk, then he... Lazarus, come forth. If Lazarus would have been, I ain't coming. I don't care. what. <laughs> come get me and unwrap me. It's not how it works. I'm going to pray one more time. I'll come pray for you. I, I love praying for people. But it's awesome when the Lord touches somebody without me being a part of it. In the name of Jesus, extend your hand one more time. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, creative miracles right now. Miracles that we do not have words for and right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Everybody in the room, three times. One, two, three. Uh, now let me count again. Step forward if you cannot feel the pain. Test it. Eleven. If you cannot feel the pain. And everyone that has not been healed yet, step all the way forward. Come shoulder to shoulder so I can find you. The rest of us, let's just raise your hands right where you're at. Prayer partners, I need your help. There's more people than what I thought. Prayer partners, come help me. Come as close as you can. Come as close as you can. Shoulder to shoulder. Scoot in. Prayer partners, come help me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.